welcome to Purpose Without Apology, a podcast for women who love God and think outside the box. Here, we talk about everything from relationships to careers to wealth building and more, and all through the lens of fulfilling your God-given purpose. My name is Lisa Gantz. I'm a writer, wife, and mom, and my goal is to empower you to change the world. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Purpose Without Apology. I'm your host, Lisa, and I'm so excited that you're joining me here today. Today's episode is called The Story of Small Beginnings. Our guiding scripture for this episode comes from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. We live in a world that doesn't really value small beginnings. In general, we pay a lot more attention to people who have massive bank accounts, big houses, and a lot of material things in general. We run to influencers who have amassed a large following. And here in America, even our portion sizes for food are bigger. Um, I live in Texas, so, you know, the, the phrase here is that everything's bigger in Texas. And trust me, when it comes to food portion sizes, that's definitely true. Um, but the kingdom of God doesn't operate that way. In God's kingdom, the last becomes first, the weak are made strong, and the biggest miracles come from small beginnings. Today, you'll learn how to identify your own small beginning and embrace it as a critical part of your story. So the first point I want to make in this episode is that small beginnings start with a need. If we go to the book of John, chapter 6, verses verse 5, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, this is kind of a trick question. And as it says in verse 6, it says that Jesus is asking this question to test Philip, right? To test his faith. And so in verse seven, it's, uh, it says that Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, I'm sure if it, many of you are probably already familiar with this as being the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. So if you've read this story, you know how it ends, right? Jesus is able to feed, miraculously feed all of these people. But in the beginning, it doesn't look that way. In the beginning, it looks like there isn't enough. And that's how he has this exchange with Philip, talking about the need that these people have for food and you know, asking him where they can buy the bread. Obviously, Jesus knows that they don't need to buy bread, right? But the point here is that there is a need that needs to be met. And it doesn't look like on the surface as though they have the resources to be able to meet that need. And so I want to point out that your need must be something that's out of your control. For example, If you in your life are having financial problems, but you repeatedly refuse to create and stick to a budget, you don't need a financial miracle from God, right? You you need discipline. (laughs) You, You need to stick to your budget. You need to have a plan for where your money should go. So that's not what we're talking about here. Those aren't the kind of small beginnings that this episode is referring to. Small beginnings are things that you are, when you look at what you have in available to you, you look at the resources that are in your hands, 
whether it be money or skills or um, people working for you or whatever resources are at your disposal. And when you've done everything you can to make that work, and it's still not enough. That is what a small beginning looks like in, in terms of this episode. It's when you've done everything you can, but you're still falling short and it just doesn't feel like enough. And so if you're looking for what a small beginning looks like, that's what it means. And that's what that point first point is referring to. When I say small beginnings start with a need, that's what I mean. The second point is that small beginnings don't make logical sense. If we look at, again, looking at this story of Jesus with the 5,000 people and feeding them in John chapter 6, verses 8 through 9 say, Another of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So if we look at this question, right, it's, it's good that Andrew is able to take the, the initiative and, and find someone, right? And able to find some food, right? I mean, it's kind of shocking to me that out of all of the thousands of people that are there, it seems like there's only this little boy that has food and has, um, you know, a, something that, that is worth noting. I also think it's interesting that we never hear from the boy directly, right? He doesn't actually speak. Uh, in this story. And so I, I wish I could just be a fly on the wall in that in that moment and, and hear how this exchange really went down, right? Was it the boy that actually volunteered to give his, his food to the disciples or did they just go to him and kind of push him forward and say, here, here, we here's something, right? Um, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but it's inter- interesting to think about, right? I think um, we should think about it in terms of our own lives and what that means. I think there's something to be said for us volunteering uh, what we have to God and and really making it available to him willingly. Obviously, he doesn't want to have to drag us into things. That's not his his how he operates. He wants us to to offer what we have to him freely. Um, But it's it's an interesting point. And we'll get to that in a little bit more detail later. But for now, we just want to focus on the fact that Obviously, this little lunch, this little meal that this boy had, there was no way that it could feed all of the people um, that were sitting there in front of Jesus in that moment. Um, nothing about that made sense on any sort of logical level. That's what makes this a miracle, right? But it's also what makes it a small beginning. Again, it, there's that need that we talked about earlier. Um, th- there's just this sense of... Um, something that needs to be done, something that needs to be provided. And what what is there, what you have available to you, it, it just completely falls short in every capacity. Um, and those are the kind of small beginnings that God loves to work with. The next point that I want to make is that small beginnings multiply with God's blessing. He's really the missing piece that brings this whole thing together. When we look at this story again in John 6, in verse, in verse 13, it says, So they gathered them the leftover pieces and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And they do the same thing with the fish, right? And so between the, the, the bread and the fish, they have enough leftovers for 12 baskets. And so we see that in the process of Jesus taking this food that's been offered up by this little boy, that five loaves and two fish 
are multiplied to become not only enough to feed 5,000 people and 5,000 men, really, and and thousands, obviously, of women and children besides, um, but there's enough even after all of that they've them have been um, fed to fill 12 baskets worth of leftovers. Um, and, and so it's been really multiplied hundreds, thousands of times over, right? In order to be able to feed that many people. That is the multiplication power of God, right? He has the ability to take something that is barely enough to feed one small child and makes it enough to feed thousands of people, right? Uh, uh, really a small city's worth of people, if we think about it. Um, and, and that really, we have to sit back and think about what that means and the the power, the limitless power of God to be able to take our small offerings and, and really multiply it beyond what our anything our imagination our imagination can conceive it really brings to mind the verse where Jesus talks about um a a mustard seed and us having the faith of a mustard seed and being able to literally move mountains with that mustard seed and and if we look at this story of Jesus feeding the 5000 it really doesn't seem like that much of a stretch for him to make a statement like that it's, it's really, you know, makes a lot more sense because if he could feed 5,000 people, really more than that, right? Anywhere between probably 10 and 20,000 people, uh, if you count women and children, and he's able to feed all of them with five loaves and two fish, then how much more can he do with our mustard seed faith, right? Um, and so the next question is, what do we do with our small beginnings, right? When we look at our own lives, when we look at the challenges that we face, the things that we are dealing with, the struggles that we have, the issues that seem so daunting and overwhelming and um, just threaten to really just break our faith and, and, and cause us discouragement and disappointment, right? What do we do with that? How do we, how do we, uh, manage that. We we know that God is capable of these extraordinary things, but how do we contextualize that in our own everyday lives with our own things that we're dealing with? Well, I think that we have s- several things that we can learn from this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 um, and, and, and the 5,000 men. The first thing that we can do is that we need to be still and get directions, get instructions from God, right? In John chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, right? So the first thing that Jesus does is he tells the people to be still, to sit down and to, well, he tells the, the disciples to tell them to sit down and to be still. And he gives the, the disciples instructions. And so that's something that we need to do in our own lives. If we look at a situation where it doesn't seem like there's enough, where we're starting with something small, maybe it's a business, maybe it's our finances, our household finances, maybe it's a ministry that we're trying to grow or trying to work on. And, um, if we look at that and we're, and it seems like there's not enough, um, the first thing we need to do is really get somewhere quiet and get alone and, and talk to God and find out what his instructions are because they're not the same for everyone, right? 
he, he, he could speak to one person in the Bible. You know, he may speak to Naaman and tell him to go to the Jordan River and to to dip in it and bathe seven times and, and then be healed from leprosy, right? But he'll tell a, wi- a widow who only has a jar of oil that she needs to go and gather all of the, the jars from her neighbors and pour out the oil and then sell it and live off of what's left, right? Those are two very different sets of instructions. Um, and they were designed to speak to two different types of needs, right? And so if we think about it in terms of our own lives, God may tell one person, Person, um, something, you know, that's specific to their situation and then tell someone else something completely different. He might tell you if you're dealing with um, trying to grow your business that you need to um, invest a certain amount of money into, um, you know, getting some coaching for something, right, that you need in order to grow your business to become successful. And he might tell someone else something completely different, that they aren't supposed to invest any money and they're just supposed to use what they already have, right? Um, And so that's why it's so important to really hear the voice of God and to get clear about what he's saying, because he doesn't tell everyone the same thing. And he certainly doesn't tell them the same thing in the same season. And so um, the timing of God is really critical. I have... um, a, an entire episode talking about the importance of the timing of God. And so um, we, we really want to make sure that we're taking the time to be intentional and listening to God and to make sure that we're staying in lockstep with his timing. The timing of God is crucial and it makes all the difference between um, us being in his will and outside of it. And so we, we, we really want to get clear on what God is saying to us about our small beginnings so that we're not outside of alignment with his will. The next thing we want to do with our small beginning is to make sure that we are using what we have. If we look at John uh, ver- chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, um, again, we go back to those verses where it talks about um, Andrew bringing a boy and saying, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And so it's not like Jesus came and just made a fish appear out of thin air, right? He could have done that. He absolutely had the ability to do that, but he didn't. It's very interesting. He chooses to um, find a boy or have, you know, have the disciples, you know, find a boy. Um, and, and they, they find that they, that the boy has this food and he, Jesus chooses to multiply the food that is already there. And so often that is what God does. There's so many examples in the Bible of God looking at a situation, seeing what people have, seeing what they have access to and multiplying what is already there, right? multiplying what they already have access to instead of making something just appear out of thin air, right? And and if we think about it, there are many examples of him doing this. He told Moses, what do you have in your hand, right? Um, In the book of Exodus, and, he, and Moses had a staff and God used that staff and used Moses with that staff to bring freedom to an entire nation of people, the Israelites, to go to Egypt and to bring deliverance to 
his people, the Israelites, just with the staff that Moses had in his hand and with his voice. He told a widow, again, with the story of the widow uh, um, with the jar of oil. And and he spoke through um, his prophet and, and said, you know, what do you have in your house? Right. And the widow says she has nothing except a jar of oil. And God says, great, I'll take it. Right. <laughs> and he uses that jar of oil to do a perform a miracle in her life. Right. Um, he, when he, again, with Moses, when he, when the Israelites are freed from the Egyptians and they're allowed to leave and, and they, and God, you know, orchestrates this miraculous delivery for them and they get to the Red Sea and they seem, seem trapped there, right? He parts the Red Sea. He doesn't just create a, a pathway, you know, out of nowhere where there was none before. He uses the Red Sea that already exists and he creates a path, um, through it on dry land. Land, right. Um, and so there's all these examples of God using what is already there, what is already in front of, of the people that are being affected. And he's able to create miraculous change um, just by using what already exists. And I, I think there's a lesson in that for us. It's that God doesn't have to make something new appear in our situation in order to rescue us, in order to transform us and in order to um, bring us into the promise that he has for us. He can use us right where we are, right with what we have in our hands, right with who we are, with all of the traits and the weaknesses and the and the limitations that, that we have in us and around us. He's still able to use us um, even though what we have and what, who we are doesn't feel like enough. And um, there's something really powerful about that, that I think it's important for us to really think about and meditate on and, and be challenged by and, and encouraged by in our own lives. The next thing we need to do with our small beginning is to put what we have in God's hands. And so if we look at uh, verses 12 through 13, it says, when they had all had enough to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, the, the disciples did, and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And again, I think that there's something so interesting and powerful and unique about this moment in the story, right? Jesus gathers all of the food that's left. He, he has the disciples gather it and he specifically tells them, let nothing be wasted. And as it relates to our own lives and in our own small beginnings that we are dealing with with God, I, I think it's so beautiful and so powerful how God is intentional about what he does with us. He, he, he is not a God that just randomly does things all willy nilly on a whim without any forethought or any planning, right? He's very meticulous with our lives. He, he knows every intricate detail. The Bible says he knows every hair on our heads, right? It says that he saves our tears in a bottle. He is very intentional. He is so meticulous and methodical with how he orchestrates things in our lives and with the plans that that he has for us, 
The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Think about that. Before God uttered the words, let there be light, he knew that Jesus would need to sacrifice himself for our salvation. And the plan was already in place. The plan was already established even before he created created a thing, right? That's how detailed God is about us and about the things that are concerning our lives. And, and so we we need to know that God, that nothing as it relates to God happens by accident. Um, and, and it's, it's, it makes so much sense that anything that he does, he doesn't waste anything, right? He doesn't waste any of our pain. He doesn't waste any of our suffering. He doesn't waste any of our struggles or any of our weakness or anything that is limiting in our lives. He uses all of it and he has the brilliant mind and capability to use all of it, right? Uh, The Bible says um, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All means all. It doesn't mean most. It doesn't mean the the majority of. It doesn't mean some. It means every single aspect of our lives and our purpose and our stories is coordinated by God, gathered together and, and, and seamlessly integrated into the plan that he has for us and into the plan that works for our are good. Everything about our lives and our stories, the things that we are aware of and the things we are completely unaware of. What, what a matchless God he is that he is able to do that. And so um, the last point I want to make about this is that God really prefers small beginnings because at the end of the day, they bring the most glory to him. And so all of this, again, if we look at this story, all of this is intentional. God not only uses small beginnings, but he really prefers them. And and he really prefers how they set up things so that he can receive the maximum maximum amount of glory um, in in these stories that happen. John uh, chapter 6 verse 14 says, after the people saw the sign, Jesus Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And so, and and if you look at how that story ends, it, it's really kind of extraordinary because the people become so kind of caught up and enamored with Jesus because he's performed this incredible miracle that they actually want to... <laughs> uh, crazy enough. They, they want to, you know, corner him and, and, um, try and force him to become, you know, king. They want to make him king by force. And so he actually has to withdraw and completely like hide himself from them and, and just kind of escape, um, because they, (laughs) they want to try and force him to be king, which is really extraordinary. If you think about it, it is, it is just people are something else. Um, but the point is that um, they are so, you know, as I said, they're so enamored by Jesus and they're so, they're so, they marvel at him and at the power that he has um, that they want to try and make him rule. They want to make him be in a, a seat um, of overthrowing the Romans and, and taking the throne um, because they, they love this amazing thing that he's done. All of this started with a a small boy and his lunch and how God was able to orchestrate this this miracle um, where it it just changed how um, an entire group of people saw him. It changed 
how they treated him. It changed what they expected from him. And all of that brought glory and honor to God and, and a reverence for God. And um, I think that there's so many examples of the same thing happening um, throughout the Bible of God taking the small things, taking the simple things, taking the foolish things of the world and using them to shame the wise and to bring glory to himself, to show that there is no situation that is beyond his majesty and beyond his power and beyond his touch, his ability to bring change. Um, and so I think that that's a really powerful lesson that we can walk away with, that no matter how small our small beginnings are, that God can always use them uh, to bring about major changes and major miracles, and that he really deserves all of the glory and the honor um, because of it. So your action step for this episode is, based on what you've learned in this episode, I want you to identify at least one area in your life that looks like a small beginning. And ask yourself, how can you honor God in that area now as you wait for him to move? Ask him for instructions about how to best steward what he's given you. There's so much for us to consider with an episode like this and with an idea like this. We all have small beginnings in our lives, places where it, th- it seems like there's not enough and we don't have enough time. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough people that are willing to help us. We don't have enough confidence. We don't have enough energy. We don't have enough encouragement or support. Whatever your not enough is, whatever it feels like, whether it's insecurity or loss or um, poverty or whatever, anything that you feel is holding you back, uh, I want you to look at that situation. Look at what God has given you and Instead of thinking about what you don't have, instead of thinking about the limitations, instead of thinking about the smallness that is in front of you, think about the bigness of God. Think about the power that he holds in his hand. Think about what he has at his disposal. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And do not despise those small beginnings. Don't despise the work that's in front of you, the thing that he's calling you to do, the thing that he's put in your hand, the thing that might be frustrating you, that you feel is holding you back. Because in so many cases, that very thing is the thing that God is using to propel you forward, to push you into destiny, to push you into the promise that he has for you. And that's why he rejoices to see the work begin, going back to that that guiding scripture at the beginning of this episode. He's not intimidated by our small beginnings, but he rejoices in them because that gives him the opportunity to show up and work, to show up and show out, to blow our minds and to go far beyond anything that we could imagine or conceive. God is looking for those opportunities to astonish and amaze us. Let's give him those chances that he's looking for to do what we're asking him to do. I hope that this episode encouraged and blessed you today, and I hope it gave you the chance to look at your small beginnings a little bit differently. I know that it's challenging me, even as I'm recording it right now. So that is it for this episode, um, and I will see you in the next one. Until next time, take care and God bless. This concludes another episode of Purpose Without Apology. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and 
share with your friends. Until next time, remember, your purpose is waiting, so you need to go after it. See you in the next episode.